How many have your Christmas shopping done? How many haven't started? How many husbands don't know what you've done? That's right. It's a good deal. Go ahead, son. Let's move out of the way. Thanks. Isn't the Lord good? I love your pink shirt, man. That's cool. Yeah. Sweet. Started the uh, Christmas uh, series, Choosing Christmas. And uh, it's a... It's a pretty prominent uh, series because we're going to deal with some of the issues that we have to deal with at Christmas time. And um, as we move forward through that, it's what's going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us because here's the deal. You cannot hear the Word of God. You can't hear the preacher preach the Word without doing one of two things. You'll either get closer to the Lord, draw close, just one little step maybe, or you'll step further back and you'll think you'll tear the message apart. Uh, You'll say, well, it's just not for me or how dare you say that. When you start finding fault with that kind of stuff, you're in more trouble than what you know, friend. So let God speak to you and let the Holy Spirit minister. And we're going to start off with a great, great scripture. And I want you to help me out now. So here we go. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number one, starting there. Here's what it says. Everybody ready? I don't eat my lunch till about one o'clock. So, you know, here we go. As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul speaking here, that I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So how many know you have a calling? Just say amen. You have a calling. Now, here we go. Be completely humble. How many's got that down? Okay, seven or eight hands. Be completely humble. And then he says, and gentle. How many has got the gentle down? Some of you are lying. I'm just telling you. Goes on. Be patient. How many has got that one down? Sure. I went out of town last Sunday morning at the second service to run up to a hunting plantation to hunt deer. Saw a lot of deer. 471, 471, I made it from Lakeland to I-75, 50 minutes. I'm doing really good. I mean, it's amazing what you do when you're running about 35 or 40 miles an hour through the green swamp, praying all the way. But when I got to the interstate on at Lake Penasofke, how many know where that's at? Lake Penasofke, got on the interstate from there to Wildwood. Took an hour and 40 minutes. It's dead still. I had this scripture, be patient. You know, there are no exits from Panasofki to Wildwood. All the Sunshine Parkway traffic is merging into 75 plus two accidents. I'm sitting there, I am going berserk. How many know what I'm talking about? just idle along. It's, oh, Lord, help me. I thought of a lot of things. I can make a U-turn and run right in the middle of that media and go, and I thought that would be illegal. And I don't want to do that because somebody's in the car with me. (laughs) Here's another. Bearing one another. This is what bearing means. Putting up. Putting up with one another in love. Then he says, make every effort to keep the what? 
unity. Of the Spirit through the what? The bond of peace, okay? If we just stopped right there, and we are not, just in case you take that deep breath and say, we're leaving now. That right there is enough to put every one of us in line. Amen? I got to deal with patience. I got to deal with gentleness. I got to deal with, with all of humility, all of those things. We know that this time of the year is a wonderful time because more people come to church during the Christmas season if you invite them than any other time. For example, tonight, uh, Christmas Town we're going to have, it's, it's for older, older, everybody. It's for the whole family and for the young and old. And you just have a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, but they say yes. And we know, thank God, we're getting more. Uh, people talk about happy holidays, but as a result of transition of power, people are saying actually Merry Christmas now. A little more than what we maybe say, happy holidays, but that's it. Why? Because Christmas is about giving. Say that with me. Christmas is about giving. And we understand that. It's about giving. So I'm going to ask you to give a great hearty hand clap to the literal thousands of people that are watching us right now online around the world. Would you do that? Now, here's a couple things. You notice this with me. Christmas time, particularly at Christmas, your emotions are exaggerated either with more joy, more happiness, I love this time of the year, or your emotions are exaggerated to the degree of more opportunity to be offended, more opportunity to be bitter, more opportunity to be disappointed, more opportunity to say, I'm sick and tired of this, more opportunity to get bitter over long lines, whatever the case, two things happen. And you get to make the choice and the decision as to which way you're going to manage this season of Christmas. Are you going to say, hey, it's a joyful time. I don't care what happens. I'm going to enjoy the season, tell everybody about Jesus, or I'm just going to just fold up my tent. And buddy, I'm going to be offended. I'm, I'm just going to tell it like it is. We know that is the heart of emotion. And as a church and as a believer, you know which one God calls us to be. So I'm going to deal with one I think that is important today during this Christmas season is offenses, being offended, offenses. How many of you know someone that is easily offended? You know, you know, so you, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to nod. You just kind of raise your foot a little bit. Uh, and the Lord will know. Or how many of you, how many of you might say that you're offended more often than what you're willing to admit? Hello? Oh, or sometimes we allow little incidences to get us down. And I'll give you an illustration. You notice in the bulletin today, there's a little, little few lines about leaving the parking lot and being on the cell phone. Here's what we hear from our traffic directors and law enforcement out there. Some of your people, many of them, we're saying, you know, come on, come on, come on. But too many of them are looking at their cell phone, don't pay any attention and don't come. So would you please tell the congregation to pay attention as they're exiting the parking lot. Now, if that's you, please pay attention to that. But let's say, let's say this, let's say there's a line coming out here on, on Mall Hill, and let's say that you're in this line coming out to get out that way, and you're in from the back parking lot going out, and, and you decide, you know what, that line is way back over there near the uh, Swan Pond, and I'm here, and I'm going to let that person out. I'm just to let them out in traffic, you know, it's a good idea. And you let them out and you think, well, like that. And you say, you know, 
And they don't even look at you. They don't wave at you. They don't honk at you. They don't blink their lights. They just think that they deserve you letting them out. And you know what? If you're not careful, you're going to think, buddy, I'm going to remember you. I am never going to let you out again. If you can't even say thank you, you could have sat in that long line. But I just happened to have the compassion on you to let you out. Or here's another incident that might cause you to be offended. And it is as uh, simply as this. Somebody, you open the door for them. Does this ever happen to you? You open the door and you stand back. You could have been in. You open the door and they walk right in. They don't even grunt. They don't say thank you. They don't do anything as if they deserve you opening the door with them. Hello? Do, do you know what I'm talking about? You, or you can say easily be offended. I'm going to remember your face too, buddy, because if you ever come here again and we meet at Wawa, it's going to be na-na. <laughs> Here's another one. I love this one. Uh, you're, you're, you're having a conversation with someone, and while you're talking to them, face-to-face, they get a message on their cell phone. And you're, and you're talking. And they just take their cell phone and read the message, and you're still talking. Or they get a phone call, and you're talking. Oh, you know what you're thinking? What am I, chopped liver? You know, you and I had a conversation going, and you thought it more important to look at your cell phone because you got a message here. I'm, I'm telling you what, you just wait till the next time. You could be easily offended. You got that? Or here's one. Here's one. You have the family dinner. It's Christmas. Everybody's supposed to bring something. Everybody's supposed to bring something. And so here it is, this one person. Oh, they bring a little dish, a little dish about the size of a Campbell's soup can in a bowl, a Campbell's soup can. But you know, when everybody's through, here's what they do. They just happen to reach in one of the bazooka purses that they found on sale that's as half as big as a suitcase and pull out a eight compartment Tupperware container. And they go back through the line, loading up their eight compartment Tupperware container and put it up and seal the lid and smile all the way. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking I'm going to go to the garbage and find your soup can and bring it back and take your Tupperware container and put it back and say, here's what you deserve right here. Does anybody other than me that just gets on your last nerve? Anybody? Am I the only one guilty? Help me out, somebody. It's like be, be offended, you know? It's unbelievable. And listen, some people think it's more important to be absolutely, totally honest. Now, don't misread what I'm going to say. You people online, listen carefully. Your wife comes home. How do you like my hair? You know what? Every man here, every man here, because if you don't like it, don't say it. Well, what do you want me to be, dishonest? I mean, you look like the back end of a duck. What in the world happened to you? You know you've seen them. I'm just telling you. Hey, be honest. Be honest when they say, how do you like it? You say, hey, baby, I want you to know you've had so many wonderful hairstyles. That is absolutely one of them. You know? Just all, all those kinds of things. You see, 
Life can be one offense after another. If you're looking to get hurt, you can be. If you're looking to be offended, you can be. And we're coming into the season, it's going to be real easy for somebody to slap you around, offend you, and do something to you that's going to give you the right to say, hey, that's what I want to be. Or listen, one of the family members come, of course, and they sit down and they never bring anything to the dinner and they eat more than everyone else. Here it is. Someone suggests about your kids. You know, your kids and say, hey, you know what? I've been meaning to talk to you. This, let's, let's say it's at church or family meeting. You know what? Your kids are the most unruly kids, I believe, in the whole family. I mean, they sit at the table and they act like a bunch of pigs. They jump up and down out of the chair all the time. We're at a family dinner. I mean, it's a Christmas dinner. Can you please tell your kids to stay in the seat? You know, and quit running around and screaming. I mean, don't you have any control over them? You know what that mama's going to be? That mama's going to be offended and she's going to go from zero to 100 in endeavoring to tell you it, yard talk, ain't none of your business. Shut your mouth about my kids. How I many you know what I'm talking about? You say, these are so odd. No, they happen all the time. I'm reminded of the lady. She's out up north, not here. She's shoveling snow. And her neighbor, guy sees her out shoveling snow. And... Uh, and he comes over and he says, hey, something wrong with her hu your husband? Call him by name. She says, no. He says, well, if you'd like, you know, you can go back inside and, and tell him to come out. And I'll help him shovel all this snow. Give, give you guys a helping hand. She says, no. Said, we, uh, we drew straws. And she said, I won. He's inside with the three kids. I'm out here shoveling snow. <laughs> well. She won. Amazing. So here we go. Here we go. Stay with me. It's a little bit. Now, it's important to understand that little foxes spoil the vine. How many of you in some way, by somebody or some situation, you were offended even a little bit last week? Anybody? How many of you went the whole week and no one offended you. Well, which is it? <laughs> Y'all don't raise your hand on that one. You don't raise your hand on the other one. You're offending me right now, I want you to know. <laughs> so, so here you go, little foxes. We understand that God says, I've got a better idea for you. And during this holiday season, my prayer is that the grace of God that God has given you, that you will give it to people who may offend you during this holiday season or any time afterward. Paul writes in Ephesians 4, verse number 3, he says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Why? Because life is too short and your calling as a believer is too great to live an offended life, to be bitter, to be anxious, to get to the place that hatred gets into you. Why? Because life is a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. We're told to be the light of the world, to be the salt of the earth. And see, small people allow themselves to carry big offenses. And my prayer is that you will refuse to be a small person 
and that you'll learn to let it go. Why? Because life is way too short. And there are many people that are carrying offenses that happened many years ago or may have happened last week or happened five years ago. Many people who let those offenses grow and grow and grow. And unless you deal with that offense, that it is not making you bitter and you let it go in Jesus' name, it will adversely affect your behavior, your perception, your social life, and everything else. Proverbs 19.11 says this, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. It's to his glory to overlook an offense. You say, well, wait a minute. Right is right and wrong is wrong. It is black and white. Listen carefully. We know that truth is truth and that which is not truth is a lie. But I can tell you, if you live your life not willing to be flexible with other people, you will be the one who will never experience the kind of joy that comes through Christ Jesus. Let me talk to you about that. The entire verse of that scripture says, the responsibility of choosing is yours. You can choose to let it go. What does it mean to overlook an offense? And we need to recognize that overlooking an offense is not the same as pretending it didn't happen. It didn't, well, that just didn't happen. Now, it's not saying that. It's saying, hey, you just overlook the fact that it did happen, and you make a conscious effort to say, I'm not going to let that get me down. I'm just not going to do it. Giving people the benefit of the doubt is an act of forgiveness. It is a choice. It is a real-time decision. And the moment that you defend the behavior of that action— You're actually fertilizing the roots that will grow deep in your heart and in your life to create bitterness, anxiety, ill health, nasty attitude, and a negative perspective every single time. There are two words for that when you choose to overlook it in the Hebrew, two Hebrew words, and here it is. It is simply this, to pass over, to pass over. And there are a lot of ways to do it. Some of the ways I do it, they didn't mean what they said. They didn't mean what they said by the way that they said it. That's one of the ways I overlook it. Another way is they're out of their mind. I'm looking for anything I can. You know, they're having a bad day. Overlook it. Forgive them. Rene Descartes said, whenever anyone has offended me, I try to raise my soul so high that the offense cannot reach it. Why? Because my life is too short. Do you know serving as a pastor, serving as a public servant, that you could be offended every single time, every single day? Nobody's, everybody's not going to like you at the same time. I can't believe he did that. Can't believe he said that in the pulpit. Can't believe my great, and all that time. And if you were dependent on people making your emotion in a positive way, you're fighting a losing battle. You know what I say? Let it go. Amen. I want to live at peace. I want to love God. Well, well, let me, well, what about, what about if it is wrong? God will give you an opportunity to shake it off because life is too short. Many have, I'm talking to the ones with deep wounds that have been there over years. Some of you have been divorced and that divorce still is as real today as it happened 15, 10, 20, whatever, many years ago. And every time you see that person, you think it just rouses you up and gets in your spirit. Let it go. How do you do that? 
If you, with God's help, this is what it means, I'm going to get over it. So here's point number one you might want to consider. I'm making a conscious decision not to be easily offended. I'm making a conscious decision not to be easily offended. Ephesians 4 verse 2, always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other, making an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Making an allowance for your fault. You see, friend, God did not call us to dictate how other people ought to live. God called us to find out how we ought to live and live it. Amen? Amen? And live it. You see, Paul says to be patient, making those allowances, and there's no one that's perfect. Anybody know of a perfect person? No. You see, make allowance for people's faults. And what's interesting is we tend to judge other people by their actions, and we judge ourselves by our intentions. And what does that mean? We judge others by their actions, and we judge by our intentions. In other words, you know what? I I didn't mean to do that. Yes, you did. Well, my intentions were not, but you did it. You know my heart is right. It's right when you just badmouth that person. You know that's really not me. No, it usually is, everybody that knows you, but you believe it's really not you. And you judge your intentions. And we judge everybody often so quickly. I have a story about a a minister friend of mine. I'm going to say right up front, this was not me, okay? So I'm just telling you ahead, don't even think, that's you, pastor. You're telling, no, this guy is a friend of mine. He pastors a mega church in a total another state, et cetera. They have a Saturday night service there. His wife went to the Saturday night service, but her family came in, uh, and she's fixing Sunday lunch. They have three services on Sunday morning. And, and uh, she called her husband, who's the pastor, and said, hey, I need you to go by the grocery store and pick up a couple of items. I got lunch almost ready. I'm so excited. Mom and dad are here, and, and we're going to have a wonderful lunch. So, honey, if you can, go by the grocery store. Well, he knew that church had just let out, and uh, he thought when he goes in the grocery store, which is on the way home, that he's going to run into somebody that often will say, and it, it, you know, can, can I have a minute? Can we just talk for a minute? And so he knew when he went in the store, he looked up and saw a person. He saw a person that always says, can we talk for a minute? And he thought, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm on a timeline. My wife's got lunch. He reached in his pocket, pulled out his cell phone as if, yeah, honey, uh-huh. Yeah, I'll be there. What, what was the other thing? Oh, uh-huh. He wasn't on the phone with her, but he was making that person think that he was talking and a guy walked up to him and says can I talk to you for a minute of which he said I'm you know I'm on the phone you know now listen that 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 wasn't me I think it was a genius idea though but (laughs) it just wasn't it wasn't me (laughs) and so he of course uh it got away from the guy and got his stuff and, and went on home. Now, now, here's the question. 
if he were your pastor and you know the story that just happened which was real for him how dare he is the pastor he's my pastor if anybody ought to live right it ought to be him I mean, he actually took his phone out to avoid a tithe-paying member of his church. I, now, I can never look at him the same way. Is that, is that, is that how you're going to handle it? Is that, is that how you're going to handle it? Let me know, okay? <laughs> That's it. Or is it possible that you can say, you know what? I have no idea how many times he gets stopped. He considered the ends justified the means, but it didn't. But that time, he thought on a moment's notice, this is the best thing I can do. Now here's what, here's what Paul is saying. Before you say that hypocrite, before you say that dirty, low-down, good-for-nothing preacher who's supposed to be a holy man, or you can start counting the times that nobody knows about that you have lied, you have deceived, that you have cheated, that you have used language, that all the things that you have done that only you and God know about. Think about those things first and then ask yourself this question. Should I overlook that and give a dispensation of grace or should I find me a deacon? Oh, deacon, this is what I know happened. And it happened in the grocery store, and it was my daddy that wanted to talk to him. My daddy. It was my daddy. Yeah, your daddy has been trying to get. Anyway, I won't even go there. I don't want to offend anybody. You see, this is what he's trying to teach us that helps us be able to live because we cannot live other people's lives. And we should be careful that, that we do not judge, but we say, God, to whom much is given grace, then grace ought, to much more, grace ought to much more abound as a result of that. Well, are you saying it's right is right and wrong is wrong? Right is right and wrong is wrong. But you know what you need to do? You need to look at your own life to determine what's right and what's wrong. And be careful that you don't, this is yard talk, run your mouth about somebody else. <laughs> overlook that offense and forgive what do you do I have always said if someone offends you hurts you when you see them always treat them with a pure heart the same way you always treated them before the offense took place if you do that, you can live a happy life. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Or here's another, if a man pays back evil for good, evil will never leave his house. If you use the term one time and it's in your heart, watch out for paybacks, 
It suggests an attitude of reality. Because if God chose to pay back, we'd all, we wouldn't need Jimbo's for the barbecue tonight. We'd all be fried. Amen? Y'all with me out there? Yeah, that's good. Hey, stay with me. Now, here's what we want to do with God's help. I'm getting over being easily offended. Say that with me, everybody. Let's look at it. So I think it's right up there. Whoa, well, there it is. With God's help, I'm getting over being easily offended. Amen. I'm only human. I'm just a man. Lord, help me. You know what I'm talking about? It's all the song I know, so I'll stop right there. Some of you know that well. <laughs> With God's help, I'm going to get over being easily offended. With God's help, I'm not going to allow any size offense, small or big, to remain in my heart. So we said at the beginning, Christmas time, emotions. Your thrills, your pleasures, all of that get bigger and more happy. And your hurts and your pains get worse. And you get to choose what it's going to be for you. You put your cake out at the family dinner table. And two sister-in-laws and two mother-in-laws and two other sisters have their cake. And when you go to get yours, somebody only had one slice out of your cake. And all the other cakes are almost gone. How are you going to feel? Are you going to let that offend you? Or are you going to change your recipe? That came right from the Holy Spirit right there, buddy. <laughs> Here's what we do. If you live with offense and you live and it's gotten you bitter, it's gotten you crossways with people, here's one of the things that it reasons that it's still there. You rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it. Every time you see them, you rehearse it. Everything that looks even similar, you rehearse it. They are there, you rehearse it. Situation, you rehearse it. A boss at fire, you rehearse it. Stop rehearsing it. And start releasing it. Because the more you rehearse it, the more you fertilize the deep roots, the more you rehearse it. Well, I have a legitimate right. I was truly, I was truly, I was done wrong. And I have a legitimate right. Do you? You know what the Bible just said? Hey, overlook it. Because who suffers when you don't? You do. Who, who has the bitterness that builds up, the resentment that builds up? Ultimately, it adversely affects your health, adversely affects your mental condition, your emotional condition, and you can turn it off just like that. A fire hit, just like throwing match to a propane burner. Pow! Why do you want to live that way? Why do you want to let, well, I'm, I'm good in all the other areas. Well, get good in every area. Continue to release it, release it, release it, and stop rehearsing it. 
The minute that you stop rehearsing it, you will have an opportunity to begin to grow and new seed will take the place of those old roots that are there. Colossians 3.13, this is what it says. Make allowances for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Matter of fact, let's read it on three. One, two, three. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. I didn't write that. Matter of fact, if I would have written it, it would read, make allowances for each other's fault if they deserve it and prove that they are worthy. And then I will forgive them if in fact they say they're sorry and I know that they really mean it. You with me? Yard talk, that ain't what it says. How are we doing, everybody? You doing good? Okay. We're getting ready to land the plane. First run over the airport, okay? You see, how do you forgive somebody who seems unforgivable? Because the reality is they were so wrong and brutal and it hurt so badly becomes an accumulation you begin as i mentioned a moment ago to take a look at yourself in the mirror and say god do i have a right to your grace how much mercy have i needed over my life have i been rude when i shouldn't have been have i been sharp with my language when i shouldn't have been have i used bad language and when i shouldn't have been have i thought evil thoughts when i shouldn't have have I built up resentment against somebody else? When you, when you begin to look at all that, you just know you're not lily white. You said, except by the grace of God, I wouldn't get any grace from the Lord. You might say, well, adultery, it was adultery, divorce. Someone said, well, adultery is grounds for divorce. Can I tell you, adultery is also grounds for forgiveness. forgiveness whenever anyone has offended me I try to raise my soul so high that the offense cannot reach it the very thing that holds you back though you can say it was bad it was evil it was wrong and they've never apologized I am releasing it, and I'm not going to rehearse it. Amen. So here we go. Joseph. Joseph was an individual that was hated by all accounts of Scripture, by his brothers. They didn't like him. His father loved him. They took him and threw him in a pit. Somebody's conscience was pricked. Said, here comes a band of individuals who buy people for slavery. They sold him to that group. He winds up in Egypt in Potiphar's household. He serves there. As he's serving there, of course, he's falsely accused. He's cast into prison. And he stays there. 
He didn't know that every time the cell door would have opened if they're coming to take his head off because it was a, an offense that would require you die. But he lived peaceably until finally he was rescued out, went into Pharaoh's household. Why? He interpreted a dream. He interpreted a dream. The dream actually came to pass. Then, of course, another time, in prison, and he's told, what would this dream mean? It's going to be famine. It's going to be a famine, and people are going to starve. It's going to be a drought. So, Pharaoh, what you need to do is just pack up food. Fill up every barn you can, every silo you can. Fill it all up, because there will come a time that everybody else out there who did not prepare, and the only reason you're preparing is because of the dream that I've interpreted. And that did happen. And Joseph became second man in command of Pharaoh's kingdom. Pharaoh, of course, loved to play golf. He loved his yacht. He was on his yacht. Yeah, you can't just see it in Egypt. And uh, playing golf out there, all that sand. Now, listen carefully to this thought. The only way God spoke to Joseph is because Joseph's line from God was not clogged up with resentment and bitterness and hatred and woe is me and murmuring. You see, I want to tell you something, friend. God will not plow through that stuff to be able to deliver a God-honoring message through you. But Joseph did not take offense at Potiphar's. Joseph did not take offense because he was forgotten. Joseph kept his heart open and did not rehearse it over and over and over. But he kept letting it go, letting it go, letting it go. And when the pristine moment came for God to be able to speak to him on several occasions to interpret the dream, he was able to interpret it. But then the day came that his brothers needed food. And they heard that Pharaoh and his household had food to sell. And they brought their teams and they appeared before Joseph. Now listen, had Joseph rehearsed it and rehearsed it and rehearsed it, the minute he saw his brothers, he could have said, hey, paybacks, you guys placed me out to be in slavery, you sold me, you turned your back, you forsook me, and now I have the privilege because I hold the leverage to destroy you. Had Joseph not let it go, that would have been, and do you know what? 
there are very few people in the social arena that would say, Joseph, you have every right to declare judgment on them. You have every right. You've waited all these years, and God has delivered them into your hand. But Joseph looked at them, and the Bible said he wept. And he said, hey, what you meant for evil, what you meant to hurt me, what you purposely did, the record is there. What you did to get rid of me, my God used it for our good. Because Joseph did what he was supposed to do. His family prospered because he was right in God. What Joseph chose to do was to let it go and his nation benefited from the position that he served. And there could have been a time in his life that he could have said, I'm going to rehearse it and rehearse it and rehearse it. But when he let it go, he became an instrument in the hand of God. Listen to me. If you hold on to that bunch of stuff that's in you, friend, it will adversely affect you and your health. It will adversely affect those that immediately love you. It will adversely affect right on the down several line several generations because everybody will remember that person was a bitter and they never could get over what happened to them by the grace of God let forgiveness and mercy and love overflow you and let it go hallelujah let it go by the grace of God let it go amen would you stand heavenly father we thank you this morning for your love your anointing and your wisdom We've heard numerous scriptures because we feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We applaud your word because we know a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones, and we believe that. I pray in this room right now and the thousands that are listening to us online and the thousands that will listen later out of the archives, this is a holy moment. It is a moment in which we are able to take a great big old shovel and dip in our heart and take some things that have just got us crossways, some things that have stolen our joy, some things that we don't have answers to, some things it's time. It's time to move on. It's time to let it go and let the Holy Spirit bathe us with His love to redeem us and give us a new anointing Father, thank you. None of us are without fault. All of us fail. All of us have made gigantic mistakes. All of us. But by your sweet grace, we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So I'm going to ask just in case you're here this morning and your heart is not right with Jesus, not about an offense. You just never have bowed your knee to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're listening online right now. I want to encourage you, pray this prayer with us. Repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus I, have failed. I have failed. I have faltered. I have, faltered. I have been filled with pride. Filled with pride. And, I and I have hurt people. And I have messed things up. Messed things up. But, today, Jesus, but today, Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? 
I give you my heart and I need forgiveness. I don't deserve it. I made many errors and I knew better. But by your grace, I am now forgiven. Take my heart, take my life, and use it to fulfill your purpose. I want to be a better person than I was when I came in the door, than I was when I heard this message. Breathe your life into me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, your whole life, you'll be doing one of two things always. You'll be rehearsing that which is not good, or you'll be letting it go. Your whole life, your whole life. And if you try to compartmentalize your life and say, over here, I'm not letting go. And you keep rehearsing that compartment and you say, but 75% over here is good. (laughs) Have you ever heard the old country expression, expression, one bad apple? That's what? It'll it'll spoil everything else. Evil will never become good unless you give permission to the evil to leave. So let the Holy Spirit, if you're here this morning, you said, I just prayed a sinner's prayer. I believe it. I'm forgiven. You in the balcony, listen carefully. Don't let the enemy control you. There may be a time in your immediate future that you're going to need to be as fluid in God's presence as you ever need to be because you will make a difference in somebody else's life. Or you may be faced to make a decision. And if all that stuff is there and you've not released it, it'll hinder your ability to flow in the Spirit and to do the right thing. So I pray that we'll just believe God. And as we sing this song, if you need healing in your body, James 5, 14. If you need to say, I just want to bring it to the altar, whatever it is, this is a moment of refreshing and a moment of surrender to God. You come right now. Would you do that? Here we go. Mm-hmm.